count, what it do? For like a year and a half, when I was 18, 19, um, I wanted to be the first white rapper to rap while playing the acoustic guitar because I just thought that those two sounds together were like the dopest thing ever. But the key was rapping. And then Everlast, <laughs> I don't know why I'm even opening the show with this. And then Everlast comes out and he's like, Whitey Ford sings the blues. Dude, I mean, you weren't the worst rapper in the world. You weren't the greatest by by far but why would you pick up a guitar as a white rapper and then sing instead of rap i just i don't know i feel like they missed the boat there and you know what still to this day there hasn't been a white rapper um who plays the guitar and and raps by plays the guitar which literally has nothing to do with this man <laughs> bonzi hi bonzi, jamesy buddy. i like yeah, that, well, listen, I, I, I brought that up because that's your son, Ty, right? Brad, my youngest son. Brad. That's his oh, little ditty. That's not even out yet. So, Jesus, yeah, how many rappers out, have I you fucking created? Like, what, what's... <laughs> listen, two. I had two boys, and uh, they're two of the best. The answer, and they're, the answer is uh, two. They're, they're good kids. It's two. <laughs> yeah. No, it, uh, well, you're living my dream. That's why I'm asking, because, like, my, uh, my son is seven. And I feel like I'm doing the equivalent to like, you know, those like dads that you got to play football, starting defense, place at the table. You know, those kind of fathers. I'm sitting there yep. with my son, like literally every day. I'm like, did you memorize that really tough rap lyric yet? Did you did you do that? <laughs> so it's just like, it down. dude, we're going to do a track together. Uh, like, yeah. yeah, we're doing a track together called Little Italy. And I'm going to do the verses, and he's going to do the hook. He's my feature for the hook, right? Nice. And the hook is a seven-year-old doing it exactly like this. A loser on the lamb in Little Italy, literally a little league legend at 11, allegedly. And I'm just like, it took like three months, and a, my seven-year-old can do that now. And I got to tell you, I think I found a way to make money. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it. super. Get him memorizing that rap god, and you're off to the races. That's, you know, you got to start them young if you want them to be rappers. There's that funny meme where it's like, um, it's a, it's in the future. It's like 2048 or something like that. And a man passes out and there's all these people there and, uh, someone's crouched down and they look over at like the six people and they're like, is any of you a doctor? And one guy's like, oh, sorry, I, I'm a rapper. And the rest of them one by one are like, yeah, sorry, I'm a rapper too. <laughs> it's all these like middle-aged white people. Uh, we're all funny. Um, listen, where were you born and raised? Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't hold it against me either, by the no, way. No, I'm not. I'm not. Like, it's this <laughs> low-hanging fruit joke, the whole scuzzy thing of Hamilton that's it, clearly it been the case as, for its entire existence. But um, <laughs> like, it's not as well, Have they cleaned anymore. up the industrial side? Have they, they done have. that? They have. They really have. Yeah. Like, there's the one Procter & Gamble's gone. Dad put in 30 years there. Good on him. Um, and then I think Stelco, DeFasco, they've all kind of, you know, pulled up their socks, if you will, to to help the environment. And and, and it is a little better down there, I'd like to say. I haven't lived well, there I, in a I've long been told time. That it's like the, I've been told that it's like the Brooklyn 
of Toronto. Like it's becoming that kind of thing. Yeah, I like I said, I haven't been there in that's a long a little time. That's a little generous, there, but it's that's, that's it's a little generous. generous. I, I don't I don't think we'll quite go with Brooklyn, Mister. But um, you know, maybe <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, Ward Cleaver. I don't know. It's you know. Um, <laughs> that's that's what, my one of my favorite words. Sorry. What what is Mister? Yeah, it's very like uh, I don't know parental or something. I don't know. It's funny. Um, so I grew up then basically on the other side of Toronto, about the same distance. So we're kind of like, you know, you were on the west and I was on the east side of Toronto around the Golden Horseshoe. Right. I, I grew up in Oshawa, Whitby. So we probably had a similar upbringing. You probably a little bit more urbanized at a younger age because Hamilton's that much bigger than Whitby. But we probably knew the equal amount of scumbags. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would, I would say that for yeah. sure. And Hamilton was definitely separated back then. You had the West Enders, which were more of the, the preppy hoity-toity types, if you will, had some money. Is that the, is had... that the area of Hamilton closest to Dundas? Yes, it is, right uh, by the okay. university. Yeah, Dundas yeah. is beautiful. I would totally it is. retire there. Great town. Yeah. Dundas, Ancaster surrounds Hamilton there on the outskirts, and that's where I kind of grew up. And um, listen, I didn't grow up filthy rich or anything, but I didn't grow up piss poor. Yeah, when I was younger, you know, I remember my parents probably struggling a little bit. But, you know, my dad got into a great place coming here from Canada. <laughs> oh, there's an old school photo. Um, they came here from England. I don't England. even know which one are you. You look like you're part of an experiment of cloning children because i'm the one, I'm the one on the left oh yeah. okay okay yeah me and my brother that's my middle brother ryan there he's only a year and nine months younger than me and we are um we look very much alike as you can um, tell by are that your, photo are what are your parents like what's their lineage so they're from england uh both of them mom's from bristol dad's from the bath chippenham area and uh they came here i think they were both about 24 25 they came to canada in 19 71 i believe and then i was okay. born two years later yeah so and i got to go to now, england right? yeah i'll be 49 this year um okay. and i'm super blessed for for kind of the life that my parents gave me in hamilton and and coming from england and i always bug them to this day i'll have to bring this up real quick is that they had two choices of what they could do uh it was moved to ontario or yeah. they could move to australia and i still Listen, yeah. I love Canada and everything, but boy, I, I could have grown up a surfer with a nice flow. Yeah, but you'd I'm probably not... be far more racist. <laughs> what do you mean far more? I'm not racist at all, you bastard. <laughs> well, there you go. Then it would be that much more racist. I don't know. I'm just uh, maybe, I don't know. White people. So it's anyways, okay. I would have um, kind of liked to grow up in Australia, I think. But well, that's kind of we like what, that's one thing that I want to talk about, because I, I don't know, like you sound like you had good parents. I don't want to make yeah, an assumption, but. I did. Uh, love my mom and dad. Uh, dad supported everything I did, especially sports and stuff, and was always present. Uh, mom, not so much. I mean, she had two other idiots to raise while, whilst I was, um, you know, excelling in sports, if you will. Um, I remember my dad would work crazy amount of hours, and then his free time was spent driving my ass around the country playing, uh, or not the country, but the province of Ontario playing hockey and stuff for, I was playing some double A back then and stuff. And, uh, it was a lot of time on the road and it was amazing memories and time spent with my father. And, uh, he is my best friend. I am so thankful he's still alive to this day and I wouldn't be the person I am without him. That being and said, it, James. Yeah, go ahead. He doesn't understand the struggles that I live today. He just doesn't get it to this day. And, and I'm okay with that. And we had this conversation yesterday. He's like, I don't understand the kids today, Bonzi. He doesn't call me Bonzi. Gregory. Um, 
You know, it's, it'd be he's funny like, if he did. I know, right? Uh, Gregory. He's had, he's had parents go to war, um, you know, yeah. and, and, and and they know he knows they suffered traumatically and stuff. And then, you know, I saw a kid get hit and killed by a train and, and 10, 15 yards away from me and, and then found him. And it, it fucked my life up. And I, I, I haven't oh, been able to get Because you were in your 20s or something when that happened, weren't you? Oh, God, 2009, whatever. I think it was in my 30s, early 30s. Okay, so we're not. Uh, so so getting back to like um, growing up in Hamilton and all that kind of stuff. Um, did your family ever go through like, let's just say until you were like in high school? Was there any um, moment or moments during the time before high school from when you were born that stand out to you as being like like one of your best memories ever? And the reason why I'm asking, by the way, is because um, just me personally, and I've always wondered if other people felt this way, but like, I felt like as soon as I left elementary school, bad shit started to happen. <laughs> like, it was like... Really? Uh, yeah, because my, I, I was... Sh- I don't know, sheltered is the right word, but like, you know, I, I graduated elementary school or whatever in like 1990. So there was no like cocaine in my elementary school. There was no drugs at all in my elementary school Same. there was barely Same. a cigarette in my elementary school and then i get to high school and it's like all these people that look like extras in a motley crew video are fucking like you know smoking hash and stuff outside and i'm like where am i like what my innocence just melted away and so anyway so i i remember fondly things that happened before i was 13 and i was just wondering if uh if you have a if, if that part of your life that chapter was like really rewarding or was it traumatic or Honestly, I had a great uh, upbringing. Uh, my, my middle brother, and I, it's, I don't know if it's fair of me to speak him, but I will. Um, he was fucked up. He had ADHD, all that stuff. And back then, people really didn't know how to deal with kids like my brother. I didn't know. How, how old's your brother? So I'm 49 this year. He'll be, he's 47. Okay, so I'm 45, and they didn't know how to deal with it back then. Mm-mm. Like, no, nope. at, at all. And and it's surprising in a way, too, because some people were diagnosed back then or at least, like, analyzed or whatever. But, like, there's probably a reason that James wants to go to the bathroom three times a class and can't sit in his seat and, you know, cracks jokes, like, every six seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly enough, I was the same way, James, but I was able to wrangle my behavioral problems Depends what teacher or principal you'd ask, but uh, definitely compared to my brother, I was a million times better. Um, you know, he, he was just a different kid growing up. He really was. You know, the, the, the cynic in me is taking away from what you just said a couple minutes ago, which is that your dad was a really great dad and your best friend. Meaning that if I'm my son's really good dad and best friend, he could still end up a little bit fucked up for a while. <laughs> and that, well, hell yeah. You know, and, like, but it depends what happens to him in his life along the way and, and, and outside of the things that you can't control, James. Yeah. You know no, what I mean? You know, you're absolutely right. Like, I, uh, I find myself being petty a lot with people. Not, in, not with you right now, but I, I hear people sometimes, like, take their parents for granted. Like, verbally, they'll say, like, I love my mom. My mom was, we, nothing's ever happened. I just don't really fucking care if I see her right now. I don't know. And I'm always just like a little bit, you know, um, disappointed in people that don't understand how important it is to have good parents. You know, I'm listen, I'm, I'm blessed to this day that I've had two great parents. I had a stay at home mom. She was always there for us. Uh, dad was always there when you need him. Dad was the one I would go to. 
um, if it was anything other than girls. If it was girls, I'd go to my mom. It was the weirdest thing growing up. But um, yeah, now it's like, listen, they're both still alive and I have a fantastic relationship with them. We FaceTime not every day, but probably three, four or five times a week. And uh, I'm blessed for that relationship that I have with my parents. Did you go to college? I went to broadcasting college. Um, so after high school, I took off to Banff for two years and uh, upset me mom pretty heavily for not going right into college. I had a high school girlfriend that she just loved and she thought we'd be married. And then I up and left. And she never forgave. Well, she forgave me now. Two months of me being in Banff for her to speak to me because she was so upset that I left this girlfriend. I left my mom. I left my brothers, you know. Um, Do you remember why so you left? Yeah, because I, I just was that guy who wanted, I knew right away, traveling is in my DNA. It's my parents, you know, from Canada, but even when they were over in Europe growing up, they were never home on the weekends. They would jet to, to Spain or go here, or go there, Sweden, whatever, because you could live in England. It was so cheap to get around. You mm -hmm. could take a train anywhere. And, and my parents did that, both of them. So it, it's, and I always got to go to England every other year as a child growing up, which really instilled travel and adventure in me. And so I knew right from graduating that I did not want to go to college. I'm not the most educated of people. I just didn't care for it. I was there for the sports, the girls, the social life. Um, yeah. Regrets, yes. I wish I would have paid a little. But this was the life that I was given. And so after I promised my mom I would go to college regardless of going to uh, Banff for two years. I come home. I went to um, – I think it was Fanshawe in Niagara Falls or whatever's in Niagara Falls region. Niagara there. College? Um, Niagara College, maybe. That would be the you, one. Wait, hold uh, on. Okay, hold on. Stop. You don't know what college you went to? <laughs> no, because I didn't go there. I walked in the front doors or whatever it was, and I was there with two buddies. We were both signing up and paying our tuition and stuff. And I, I literally was the next guy in line, and I turned around and left, and I said, what the fuck am I doing here? I'm not. This isn't what I want. I'm going to come here. I'm going to party my ass off. I'm, I'm going to probably fail. And I wasn't there to go to school yet still. And Dude, so I you drove know what's home, really hilarious? Like, you know what's hilarious? They were I went to Niagara they, I went, they were I went to Niagara College. Sorry. I went to Niagara College. Okay. Um I, I I moved uh to Welland from Whitby, like an idiot, going to in a community college, Welland, just in another community, so I didn't have to live at home anymore where everything sucked, with one buddy. <laughs> And I just like I literally like used the campus just to wander because all I did was party and blow my OSAP money before Christmas. Yeah. Right. So you literally were afraid See, to I go to college. Thing, you were afraid to go to college because you may have done what I actually did when I went to the same college. So. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. 
and thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Yeah, babies. That's trip joint. Yep. So what I had was I went home. My parents are like, you need to do something. So it was either get a job or... And then I found um, the National Institute of Broadcasting in Toronto where... It was pr- the best decision I ever made, James, because that I did a two-year program in one year, and I went to school Monday to Friday. It was like a job, nine to five. So I lived in my parents' basement, and I went to school in Toronto uh, for a full year. Graduated from NIB. Jim Carrey went there, by the way. True story. What is NIB? Um, and so I did go to college, TV, uh, radio broadcasting, and um, right. Yeah, that's where I went. To what? Sorry, what does NIB stand for? National Institute of Broadcasting? Is that what National Institute of Broadcasting. Yep. Okay. It was right on Young and uh, uh, Young and St. Clair. Okay. Is that where the, you learn to like develop that really weird Rick, Troy McClure radio voice? Is that like, does that happen at, at college? You know what I'm talking about? Hey, welcome to <laughs> no. C103. Like, it doesn't. In fact, I think I really talk like that though. No, I don't. I'm just wondering because I would be tripped out if I had a class where the guy was basically just talking like, you know, how like French teachers have this thing where they're like, no, 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 en français. And they don't talk French or English at all in French class. <laughs> Maybe these radio broadcaster guys just yeah. use the radio ad voice the whole time so that you guys will learn how to be fluent in douchebag. <laughs> I hate that. Well, voice. it's funny because I, I was I, I had this big, more deeper radio, not even deeper. But this more radio voice and going through college and learn talk like that asshole. Um, as soon as I got to my first radio, I was hired by B101 and Barry um, about a year later, I guess. And I, they would do practice runs with me in the, in the studio, at like mock mock shows. And uh, mm-hmm. Derek Wellsman was my producer and uh, he was blind as a bat, but he had a brilliant ear and he would make me do, I probably did, I'm going to say 20 to 30 mock shows until I got it, have a normal yeah. conversational voice with you instead of this guy, you know, and hey, it's Z105, <laughs> you know, like I've, I've always wanted oh. to be a traffic guy. Like and, but yeah, it, it was, but that yeah. Was, I, and hmm. so it was hard to break that mold that I listened to forever and ever, you know? Yeah. And, um, but you you didn't spend years in radio though. I didn't. I spent oh, and then uh, I was forced out by my then wife. I was do- I got to do a lot of cool stuff being part of a radio station, and we were up in Barrie, so it wasn't too far from Toronto. So we were taking listeners down for you know concerts, you know contest winners that would call in and get limo rides and backstage passes and this and this and this. And I got to do a lot of fun stuff, and it wasn't jiving with her. And we had one and <clears throat> okay, a half. So two year old. You've had and, two um, marriages. You've had two marriages, right? So nope, we have one, a delay. One, so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk through the delay. Years. Okay? Yeah, we have like a three-second delay because you're in like uh, a ghetto hostel in uh, Nicaragua somewhere, <laughs> I think. It's an apartment, Holy but God, uh, usually a, the internet's pretty good here. Maybe my... Uh... It's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll we'll navigate the waters by speaking slowly and coherently like this. 
Um, you've been married twice. Is that right? No, once. Once. Okay. 15 years. So Dean jokes about this. I don't know the backstory about this. But before I tell you, I'll preamble to make you feel a bit better. That I can trace um, three things in my life that I allowed to fuck my head up so much that it, one of those things probably would have killed a lot of people. And one of those things is a really horrible relationship and how it ended. It completely turned me inside out. It like um, it made me question loyalties among family and all that because my four-year relationship ended when she ended up traveling across the country to go and fuck my father's brother, <laughs> right? And none of us own a trailer, so it really doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, and anyways, since there were, there were like four dark years after that, like, and, and, and it's still to this day, I can tell that I am like completely impacted by, um, by what happened in that relationship. And one time Bonzi, you said that we had a lot in common. Um, and one of those things I think, um, is maybe the bad way to handle certain situations that happened to us. Um, and it's funny because we know what the answer should be. Um, but uh, I, anyways, take the long route to get there. And um, I was curious, and guys, in case you can't tell, I am trying to extend this, uh, this preamble to this question because I think Bonzi's Nicaraguan internet has gone out for a moment uh, because he is no longer online. Um, <clears throat> but Bonzi and I do have a lot in common and, um, I, I would hazard a guess to say that like, you know, a couple of those things are probably not very beneficial to our mental health. And, um, so Bonzi, what I was, uh, what I was going to ask you is that, do you have like a gauge on how your marriage, your first marriage has like impacted you overall? Like, were you cool with it? Were you the one in the relationship that was, you know, fine, more fine than the other? Like. I'm curious because I was a total shit show and a complete useless person. So listen, we met at college in Toronto. Uh, I got married at 23 years old, believe it or not. Um, she was a year older than me, so 24. Pretty young marriage. Um, but we made it work. Um, I remember people saying at our wedding that we wouldn't last a year because we were so young. We were probably making a mistake, blah, blah, blah. But she came from a family that had three older brothers. They all had started to have families, and she wanted to kind of keep up with the Joneses. She had the the family had the the we had the finances to do so and start uh, a family early, get married early, and so I did that, and um, it was it was great. We lasted fifteen years, and even up and towards the end, till the end, James, um, mm -hmm. people were kind of not sick of us, but we were that couple that still held hands publicly yeah, affectionate. I know that couple uh, and all of them are broken up. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny yeah. because I never saw it. I never saw it coming at all. Um, just one day I was, I was actually gone for 10 days to Miami on a amateur golf championships. I qualified. I went down there, talked to her every day. And <laughs> just this uh, random Bonzi fact. Yeah, it you is. Know, uh, anyways, my marriage, <laughs> trial, I, I was playing semi-pro golf at the time at this big tournament. Well, like, no, I had amateur, no idea, but, Anyways, it, I came home and it was, uh, we were delayed because of hurricane, ah, fuck, I think whatever was in 2012, one of the big hurricanes that hit the East coast. Anyways, uh, got home Halloween night and, uh, the next morning I got told it was over. See you later. No warning. Adios. Bye. Wow. Um, yeah, it was shocking. 
the most, at, at the time of my life, at, oh God, what was I then? Um, almost 40, 30, 38, 39. It was the most shocking thing that ever happened to me, quite frankly, just to be told yeah. it was over. And I was more terrified that I was losing this, this family life, that we had a really good family life. We were very sports-oriented. We included the kids in everything we did, travel, everything. And pooping. <laughs> I would well, I basically lied. did two and a half years in court. Uh, yeah. fighting for my life and my rights. Um, she made a shit ton more money than I did. Um, and I was the guy that uh, got paid and got spousal support and all that at the end of the day. Um, I was about to say, did you get fucked in family court? And uh, you didn't. But then all I heard was the reaction from a lot of single moms out there to be like, what the fuck? The husband <laughs> got the better deal. <laughs> hey, it doesn't happen very often, but I, I was that guy. That uh, who had a wife that made a shit ton more money than I did. Did you have a problem holding jobs or anything when you were young? Never. I had a lot of jobs, um, but I never had a problem holding one. I just liked to do many different things. I had many different interests. You know, I started as a newspaper delivery boy. I made pizzas. Um, gosh, I, I did so many jobs. I delivered uh, for for uh, pharmacies back in the day, worked on golf courses. But um, I never I think I, I think I was only fired once, maybe twice in my entire life. OK, well, we don't have that in common. Trust me. I, 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 I don't know if I've told you this before, um, but I've lived up here. I'm 45. I've lived up here for five years. I think I'm about to celebrate my fifth year at this library that I work at. It's the longest job by far I've ever held. Wow. Wow. In my life. Yeah. I own my own painting company for 15 plus years, almost 20, but 15 full time. Like that was my life after uh, radio. I started my own painting company, had a little stint at Brinks for five years, carried a gun and uh, millions of oh. dollars every day. But um, ultimately that led into uh, started painting on the side and that led full time for 15 plus years. Yeah. Well, that's. That's great. And that, you know what that is? Good parents. It is. Right? It is. Like, I, like yeah. leading by example, that kind of thing, going to work every day. What did your mom do? She was a stay-at-home uh, mom mostly. Uh, yeah. Once we were all in school and stuff, my mom did uh, work at Canadian Tire. I remember working there. She worked at the yeah. passport office, which was a job she loved um, when we were all in high school and stuff. But, yeah, she didn't have a lot of jobs. But I think she worked at Marks and Spencer's, too, at the mall one time. <laughs> Which was right um, up her alley, being English and all. Yeah. From the six seconds of footage that I recently saw your mom when you were over there and, and podcasting, is, is she like the, like, uh, like, really, like, she embodies the matriarch of the family? Is she like... Yeah. Don't call her Sarge and for funny and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> my mom, yeah. My mom has But it doesn't sound like you call her that because she's strict. It sounds like you call her that because she's, like, up, she's obviously in the room and you know it, like, that kind of she thing. Yeah, she runs a tight ship over there. It's not strict. It's just mom's in charge. She, listen, she had three boys. Uh, we all had two boys. She never got that kind of granddaughter or daughter sense. And, and Sarge runs a tight ship, and she's in charge over there. And but she's yeah. a lovely woman. Her sense of humor is amazing. Um, I've been trying to get her on the show for two straight years now. She says she's camera shy. I really don't think she would be once she gets going. There she is. She is such a wonderful human. Um, I love her to pieces. I like hearing you talk about her. Yeah. You know? I, I mock her a lot on the show. She hates being called Sarge, which kind of bothers me. I, I think she hates, What's her loves name? it. What's Penny, her name? Penelope, she likes to be called. Penelope Penny's Ann. a great name. I love that name. Yeah. It's a great yeah. name. And my dad's name's Ken, so we got the Penn and Ken 
uh, couple there. If they were celebrities. Like the the tabloid writers would be like, Jesus Christ, this is like a like a fucking riddle. I don't know how to combine these two <laughs> right? things together. Yes. Yeah. Anyways. Um. Yeah. You know. So far, by the way, um, we don't have much in common as far as our childhood goes. Like it, it seems like, and these are good things for you. <laughs> You know, I want to make that clear. Yeah. You know, I don't like it when I have things in common with people that are negative of any kind. It just makes me feel sad for them, you know. Um, but um, as I've gotten older and, and, and you know, dealt with all that stuff, um, it, it's it's weird because, I, you know, I'm, I find myself trying to find, trying to pull good memories from both my parents when I was young. And it's not that it's that difficult, but I am so hard on them. Like, I am very, you know, judgy of my parents' parental prowess, I would say. You know, my dad basically didn't say a syllable for, like, from when I was, like, 13 until I moved out when I was 19. Like, he literally was, like, the guy that was always there and never talking. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny because, uh, listen, my parents were strict. Uh, as fuck when I grew up. I was the oldest, so I was the first one to come along. And, you know, compared to what my youngest brother, who's seven years younger than me, what he went through and what I went through are two different lives with the same parents. Um, I had to be in bed at like eight o'clock. There was strict bedtimes. There was strict rules. There was chores. There was this and this and this. Um, And it was it wasn't easy growing up with strict English parents like that. But at the same time, it it made me who I am today. Um, and I, I look back on that now and as pissed as I was over the years, I mean, fuck, because I hear my friends' stories and stuff and I can hear them playing outside still. And my ass is in my bedroom because I have to go to bed, you know? Yeah. So I kind of resented that for a bit, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, I grew up with the most amazing parents and I'm pretty damn lucky for that. So okay. as strict as they um, may have been. And then let, let's jump forward a little bit. At least I think it's jumping forward a little bit. And can you tell me what year this is? <laughs> That's got to be about, God, two, oh, when did I break my leg? About 2008, 2007, somewhere in there. Okay. Oh, so it wasn't too days. long. Well, I mean, I guess that's no. 15 years now. Jesus That's Christ. meeting Dean. Uh, that was at a golf course, Angus, Angus Glen. Uh, the trues were playing. Dean, that night. by the way, for for people that aren't watching this but are listening, uh, if you want to picture something, he was going through his early Jonah Hill days. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Be a pretty good assumption. Yeah, he's yeah. a rather large fellow. There he is. Yeah, he <laughs> just he, made, love... he just didn't get the role in Moneyball. He oh, just this close. So close. Uh, I look at that picture in disgust because I see that I have my Brett Favre football jersey tucked in tight to my pants. <laughs> yeah, what's what up a with loser. that old man? Oh, yeah, it's, men do that when they get older. They tuck in everything. Yeah, I <laughs> it know. It doesn't matter what it is. And they pull them up so high. I don't understand the high thing. Maybe Lachlan can shed some light on that. <laughs> Probably a ball thing. It's um, a picture. Yeah. So... Uh, I'll skip some some time there just because um, I, I, I'm looking at the clock. We have about 28 minutes. <clears throat> but I wanted to know what series of events or – oh, wait a second. Tell me about the head. Sorry. I'm not trying to belittle it, but I think it's been a long time. You know, levity. You can make AIDS jokes, so you should be able to make head jokes. So I just want to let you know that it's not out of mean-spiritedness. Yeah. But I'm not going to stop. <laughs> I'm just, Don't stop. I, no, I'm not. So, but But, okay – 
I, I'm asking actually, there's a morbid curiosity as well because I have two childhood friends who on their way to school saw a guy peep his head out of a manhole in Oshawa and lost his head. So you're not even the only person that I know who have seen a decapitation take place, except these kids were like 12 and you were, sorry, 30 or whatever? 30, gosh, uh, 30. I think I was 30, 31. Okay, can you set up that scene for me? I'm really sorry, but I, I, need, I need to like- No, it's okay. Um, comfortable, there. well, as comfortable as I've been ever. Um, listen, I was at the cottage in Bala, Ontario. There's a famous bar there, the Key to Bala. Dave Wilcox was playing that night. Uh, I was at home at the cottage we the kids were young five and nine i think at the time or even younger and uh sitting around the fire with uh my then wife and um we decided to go to bed about 11 30 have some some frisky time you know what i mean and then we got to bed and it didn't work and i was like ah fuck this i'm it's, it's early and i'm still i'm feeling fine so i grabbed a six pack walked the eight minutes to town and there's a boulder you can sit on outside of the key it's not kind of outside of the key, but it's, it's just um, off the main road. And I was watching through this tiny little window, but more listening, just sitting there minding my own business. And I thought, oh, what a great idea to just go up, walk out front of the bar. It's who's around. I don't even know why I did it, but I set it up. The bars here, street railroad tracks are right there. Um, I'm walking down the street. I'm almost right outside the bar. I happen to look over. There's a kid sitting there with his head between his legs on the rail track and within less than three seconds, he was gone. Now, I couldn't see the train coming because there was a row of trees. Um, I didn't even have time to say, Fuck, jump, move, or I didn't have time to run up or nothing, and he was fucking gone. And, and I was pretty wasted. I'm not going to lie. And, How far uh, away was, were you from him? Not even more than 10 yards, 15 tops. Uh, I was pretty so close. like 30 the, feet the, or something like that? The tracks 30, were, yeah, they're right there next to the road with a, maybe a five-foot embankment. As soon as I saw it, I ran over to where I saw him, and I'm like, there's no blood, there's no body parts, there's no nothing, that didn't happen. Oh, fuck, what, what did I drink, you know? Uh, <laughs> and the next thing I know, the train stopped. And that's when it kind of dawned on me that what I saw was real. He was there, and then he wasn't, plain and simple. I walked down over to two cops that were standing outside the Kita Bala, and I couldn't speak to them. I was in complete shock, and I'm lucky I didn't even get arrested on the spot for being like, drunk in public and I was because I was literally like I wanted to say I just saw a guy get hit and killed by a train no words would come out of my mouth so I, I literally remember kind of running away from them and they left me alone I went back grabbed my backpack that I'd left under the rock and I started running home to the cottage and then all these sirens and ambulances and, and stuff is going on and cops um, and I went back uh, I was like no I got to go back and deal with this so I went back and as I came back just kind of looking around of from where it happened and to where he possibly could be. And there he was. And all the other people were up on the train tracks dealing with the train driver and looking for him up there. And I found him down below. And, um, Oh wow. So you were the first to find him. I was the first to find him. Literally. And I can explain it like this, a pile of mush, James, um, his body was literally just a ball of like mashed potatoes and his head oddly enough was like, perfectly sliced off fuck. Uh, and sitting on top of that pile of mashed potatoes. And I'll How never old forget was he? As long as I, he was 22. Did you ever find out the backstory as to why he was on those tracks? Yeah. And uh, which makes sense as to, you know, uh, I was there for, I was put there for a reason. And I believe this um, it's part of my thought process to heal me. Um, 
He got a fight with his girlfriend inside the bar. Um, he was asked to leave. He was pretty pissed off at himself for being kicked out. Um, and he went and sat on the tracks. Um, not a good place to sit. And uh, sadly, I wasn't there soon enough to, to save him. So it wasn't an accident. Like, he, he was trying to kill himself. No, he wasn't. No, oh he wasn't. Um, the train driver, oddly enough, said that the kid was sitting in the middle of the two railroad tracks with his back to the train, uh, wanting to kill himself. It's not fucking true. I know what I saw. <laughs> I live it every day. Um, he was sitting on the rail. You know, one of those people that are distraught. You're sitting like this. You're like, ah, I fucked up. I fucked up. Um, and then he was gone. I think he just How went did up he there not get... hear the train? Super, super, super loud there. Um, I, I don't know how he didn't feel the vibration or anything. The train comes around a bend there and it's full trees. And right where he was sitting is where the trees ended. Um, and he was gone. Anyways, I got that family their Um, what do you call it? Uh, life insurance money, uh, because they weren't going to pay out because the train driver said he committed suicide and was sitting with his back to the train. A cop, uh, took me right away. When I found the body, they shone some lights down on me from above. And um, I was like, he's right here. And they were like, huh? you know, they were kind of shocked that I, but I told them right away. I was like, I saw this happen back there and I found him here and I was taken away right away. And my statement to this day held up true in court uh, over the train drivers. And uh, I helped that family out and, and, and it gave them some solstice, I think, or a peace of mind that they, they, their, their son didn't legit go and sit with his back to a train and get fucking smoked he he did i don't think he wanted to die that night bro i really don't <sighs> fuck me up forever though i can tell you that my life instantly changed from that day moving forward and i think to go back to my marriage it was probably um subconsciously i've admitted this um to my parents i think only maybe uh maybe dean uh subconsciously i blame my ex-wife that night for me being there and seeing that kid get hit and killed by that train and oh, that's just ridiculous. That's probably just... have affected. Um, um, you know, I shouldn't have been there, James. I shouldn't have no, been there. No such thing as shouldn't. There's, there's no such thing as shouldn't have been there. There really isn't. Um, and and I'll tell you why. Because they, they are. I have a I have a story that I tell sometimes. I'll be quick with it because I I want to learn more about you. But um, you know, I was down on my luck. Um, living with my parents. I think I was like, or my mom. I mean, I was 23, something like that, and um. I didn't have anything going on. I was a fucking loser. I was like, I didn't have a job. I didn't have any money. And, uh, and I was this like unemployed. This is so bad. I was this unemployed white rapper, basically (laughs) 23 living at my mom's bachelor apartment in South Oshawa. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, um, you know, you can't get any lower than that. That's literally rock bottom. It looks like that apartment. And, um, long story short, I, my uh, buddy was a producer, got signed by Universal. His lawyers wouldn't let him do free beats for his homies anymore. So um, he pointed me to the direction in Toronto and off I went to uh, the Pickering Go station to go to Toronto. And I got a ride by my buddy Nigel and he was like trying to help me out because he could see that I was down. He's like, James, you got to like, I think you need to like, you know, shake the Etch-A-Sketch and like be nice to somebody without them asking you to do anything. Just be nice to somebody. You'll feel it. It'll feel good. And I was like, okay. So I sit on the platform waiting for the train to come and I see this dude and he's trying to bum a cigarette and everyone keeps on saying no. He keeps on asking another person and they're like, no. Some people are smoking and are literally like, sorry, dude. You know, like that kind of stuff. He went to walk past me and I had my smokes in my pocket and he didn't see me. He didn't even look at me. 
And as he went to pass me, I held my cigarette pack out and hit him in the chest. And I'm like, just take one. That was uh, in the year 2000, I think in April. And so it's been 22 years. He's my best friend. He was like, I was the best man at his wedding like 15 years later, whatever it is. Um, you know what I mean? If I didn't offer that stranger a cigarette and he just walked by, like my life would have been completely different. His girlfriend was the best friend of the woman that I spent four years with who ended up sleeping with my uncle. That guy, so, so what I'm trying to get at is that whole synchronicity thing. The, the good thing about synchronicity is that it, it's nobody's fault because then it's everybody's fault. You yeah. know what I mean? The guy yeah. that programs the traffic lights maybe accidentally programmed the red to be on three seconds too slow or too fast. And then one of those cars, because of that, you know, difference in time, might be at a perfect place to get T-boned 10 minutes later. Are you going to blame the, the traffic guy? So I think that it's like, it's natural. We, we like to do that. And I think we like to do that because we want to be able to explain to our afraid selves. Like, there's some logic we can apply here so it, can't be, it doesn't have to be all emotional. Um, I don't know if any of that makes sense, but like, you know. No, it does. Listen, it's part of the biggest thing that <clears throat> has, has kept me from healing is I, the guilt that I feel. I'm better with it now, but I really wasn't a long time ago when this happened. And for so many years, I was, I felt such guilt of not being there. If I was there even 30 seconds, earlier, you know how many I would have saved him. You know how many saved. variables and calculations during that single day that yeah. could have happened that would have gotten you there earlier, later, not at all. It's, it's, I understand that the guilt comes, you know where the guilt comes from, I think. You are, there's not many people that I meet that are in this category, even though people hear me say it a lot. And that's because it's the type of compliment that when I think it, I have to say it. And you're salt of the earth. You are a member of the salt of the earth nice club. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. And so you're kind of look. I think, I would theorize that in that particular situation, you were trying to look for this alternative thing to explain away why you felt guilty. But... I think you felt guilty because you're salt of the earth. I, I think that it's a natural reflex for some people because I it's sad. Wish. You're, you're feeling. Yeah. You know, I just like, wish Jesus I Jesus Christ meeting his parents. That would have been like, I would have been balling the second that I approached them to say hi. I, I, you know? I never got to meet them. They did want to meet, uh, for the record. I was supposed to testify in court, uh, for my statement. Um, I had to give it in writing because I was not mentally prepared to, face them or or the court and say this out out loud in court back then when this was, it was pretty fresh like um only a year or two after the incident happened by the time it was all said and done i could not could not go to court so everything was done by um by writing and um my statement held true and i i never did get to meet them they did send me a thank you letter um yeah. through the police officer that helped me that night and i'll never forget him as well he was such an amazing cop um he really because I was just a blubbery mess. I mean, I couldn't comprehend what I saw. And and um, he was amazing. He really helped me that night. And I'll never forget him dropping me off at my house. And uh, 
and just wishing me the best of luck, and you know, moving forward because he knew I was going to be fucked, and boy, he wasn't wrong at all. You know what's 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 what I just thought of is that your presence at that event um, that damaged your mind as much as it did served to shield the parents of that person from never knowing what happened to their kid because the train driver was apparently trying to say suicide. Yeah. And so you're uh, like the, you're the snapshot that they get to, to know what happened. Can you imagine not knowing what happened to your child? Yeah. I you am know? that guy. And I wish James, and this is where I beat myself up is I wish, why, why was I the guy to be the snapshot for them and not be the guy that fucking saved them? That's what haunts me a lot. Well, because you life know. isn't like, uh, you know, <clears throat> remember that, uh, well, you know, my name is Simon, Simon. and the things I draw Simon come true. Come true. <laughs> yeah. You ain't Simon. That's why you weren't there with your cape to fly in to save the day. Like, it's not, you know, how many people do you know push people off train tracks? It's not a normal situation. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But, but you did, you did, you, did, you couldn't have done anything. The random occurrences of things that took place in the, hour minutes beforehand all played a role in when you were there it's nobody's fault um and i think that you're saddened that you couldn't save them because you're empathetic you know you remind me a lot of the youngest person in the family <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't you, maybe I, you know, I i i never paid attention to that sort of thing what what the younger ones like and what the oldest ones like i just i just always kind of, of just my yeah, life, I was just going to say the fly by the seat of your pants stuff, the adventurous stuff, the like tomorrow may never come. So let's seize the day kind of vibe that you have. I've definitely lived my life like that because, you know, sadly from this, James, I've lived some pretty dark times over those uh, years since that happened. I was suicidal. Um, you know, I'm thankful to be still here because there's a few times where I shouldn't be not only from suicide, just doing crazy shit because I didn't give a fuck anymore. Um, you know, it's just, I was like, if I, if I'm here tomorrow, great. If I'm not, meh, that's not, that's okay too. And, uh, were, that was were you how going dark months I was. at a time. Were you going months at a time at any point without seeing your kids? Uh, when I was traveling. Yeah. I start. Yeah. I hit the road. So, um, you asked if I was married twice. I was engaged again, um, briefly. And I found out pretty early in the relationship, luckily before we got married, um, that she was cheating on me from, from day one that we got engaged. <laughs> so, um, that Jeez. coincided with my, uh, house flooding. And, and the funny thing is, is I had just opened up to her about my PTSD for the first time. I, she, she's one of the first person I talked to about it. And I said, I really don't think I'm fucking not, I'm not doing good in my brain. Like there's something off. And, and I think it stems from this, this train thing because I always just ran from it, dude. I didn't face it at all. I refused to. I was like, oh, I'm stronger. I'm better not. I'll just run. Like I was running like Forrest Gump, dude, back then. And that was my therapy. It, it shut my brain off. I listened to great tunes and I would just run, 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 run. But I was fucking, I'm still doing it in a different sense now and, and, and traveling the world and stuff. And it's a great time. But when I, when I told her that, she told me I was crazy. She's like, I think you're crazy. There's nothing wrong. Yeah, with that's, you. that's a good thing to say to someone that when they fuck, tell you that. That fucked me up too. So yeah. it was the best thing that ever, but then it wasn't the best thing that happened, but thankfully I, I got rid of her. But at the same time, my house had been flooded and it was unlivable and it was going to, I was told five months before I could move into it. 
And I lost my job at the same time. I was pirated by this company that uh, promised me the world after working for them for a year, and they fired me on the 365th day, and they just used me. So all those yeah. things happened within two weeks of each other, bro, and I fucked off to Costa Rica 2016, and I've literally been on the road ever since running from life, wow. I guess. Wow. So you fully admit that like, that's what you're doing. You're, you're, you're not ready to face life yet. Yeah. Is that why you have a, is that why, is that why you have a pretend therapy dog? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> he's, he's not cute a, and he's your friend, but is, he's not officially in a, a therapy dog, right? Like, he is officially a therapy dog. Yes, he is. Um, Cause he's cute and friendly. Is that what all they have to be now? No, that's like being no, an Instagram model or some shit. Like th you know? that's, I don't want to get into that whole story, but, um, Listen, yeah, I, I think this is probably the first time I have admitted because Lachlan, Dean, I think even you have said, oh, you, this is a midlife crisis. You know, you're running. And yeah, I think it's the first time I'll say it out loud is I, I probably have been running this entire time, but I've oh, done it yeah. in a good sense and made it work. You know well, what I mean? That's one of the things that we definitely have in common is the like the running. Like I told you this before, I moved to Los Angeles on like two hours notice once. I literally just picked up my life out of Toronto. It was like, wow. my buddy calls and he's like, do you want to move to Los Angeles and work as a copywriter who writes press releases for nightclubs? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> so I literally got on a bus an hour and a half later to Buffalo and took a plane from Buffalo to Los Angeles. Like, you know, with it. Like, so, you know, and everyone was like, what do you, why, why are you doing this? Like, <laughs> do you have a plan? No. I don't have a plan. I'm just. Yeah, I'm I've sure. shot quite a few people with my decisions over the years. You know, coming to Nicaragua the year after Costa Rica, um, buying a bar um, and living here on and off for three plus years. Uh, it's, it's, it's something that most people that I know, the majority, 98, 99% of people won't do what I've done. Um, was it the right decision ever? I don't know the answer to that, really. Did I have a, a lot of fun? I sure did. Um, I own yeah. bars, a bar. I, I got to travel. I got to meet so many amazing people around this world. But sadly, at the same time, those demons never left, regardless of the Costa Rica paradise, the Nicaraguan paradise. I went to England for a bit. Um, I, I went, I bought a 45 foot fucking foot bus, dude, and sold my house. And traveled the United States for almost a year. Um, yeah. I, I, I just imagine you one day waking up in like 2020 or whenever it was. And you're like, oh, yeah. I should buy a gigantic touring bus and just so drive bored, into the dude. zombie apocalypse. Like Sitting at home in this huge house, four bedrooms. And my kids weren't living with me anymore. Um, yeah, you know, it was just yeah. it was just lonely. It was all I was doing was work, 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 work. And I thought, well, I can fucking do this anywhere. So why am I sitting here in this stupid house where I don't it never really was a home to me. And I'd yeah. rather I'd, I'd reap the financial rewards from that and bought that bus and went and did something crazy. And here we are. I still have the bus. I'm proud of that bus. I'm proud of what I did. I'm proud to have the cojones to do it. Most people, it's not for them. For me. Listen, it's it's what I, I have done. I love to do, but I think James and I mean, we got to wrap this up soon. Uh, I think with you, um, but that's why we got. Hey, to this hold on, place hold on a second, hold on a second. You're on my fucking show, Bonzi. I'll tell you when we have to fucking go. Okay, <laughs> Jesus Christ, step all, all right, over the sorry. host's toes like that. My God, I didn't mean to step on your toes, but I was just saying, like, <laughs> what I meant was me being here in Nicaragua. I thought was the right thing to do. And being here within a week, I realized that it's only holding me back from not only getting the help I need because I finally admitted I needed it and I'm getting it. 
we like we've got the therapist booked. She canceled on me yesterday, but uh, just she, she had a fever. Um, but it, th- this whole process, and then even my career uh, w- with the Dean Show and with other things I want to do, it's only holding me back being here from progressing with all of those other things. And well, I that's think why I was surprised to just hear over. you say it felt like the right thing to do. Really? Like, because it because it felt like you were like, well, the bus adventure wasn't quite long enough so i'll go for a small vacation in canada and then hit the road again like it just sounds like this the fruit from the same tree you know yes and no um i just thought like i hate the winters james it's not my jam and i thought well the voice acting i can do here the dean show i can do here my show i can do here but um just coming here i i think i think i just needed to come here james to get that fix um i miss so many people here i built so many great relationships here um, I, I had some, some stuff to take care of here still that I own. So I think it was just, I Is thought it a cocaine processing facility that you own here. No, it's there? not no? at all. Okay. Um, but it, I, you know, once I got here and I got that, uh, I got to see everybody that I wanted to see and, and did some fun things and sorted my shit out with, with what I've got. It's, it just, I, I realized here quickly that being here is it's still running and it's still, holding me back and i it just clicked james after the super bowl i don't know why I'd, i can't put my finger on it and go oh that's the reason why something just clicked it just did and I yeah. may, maybe maybe i'm just tired of running you know and I, i'm sick of running and i want to go and get help and sell the bus and and move back to ontario and start again and get a house and and just do that but that's the thing with me james i don't know how long that's going to last because i'm a fucking fly by the seat of my pants guy I yeah, don't sit around too. well in the same spot for very long. And I'd be doing the same shit that you're doing probably if my kids were grown and out of the house. My kids are seven and five. I, I, and I still consider, <laughs> this is the funny part, I still consider going to see you for a week in Nicaragua where I most certainly would have drank even though I haven't drank in two years and then most definitely would have done a bunch of blow. Like I cannot be in situations where I have access to like alcohol no supervision and cocaine that, that is yeah. not a possible place for me to to reside ever i used that crutch before james uh whilst i was here um not on the regular but i did and i'm thankful to be back here now and i can say i haven't touched it and uh, everything's been tickety-boo so um that's not my jam anymore and it never i have really a reflex was. not to believe people when they tell me that they're in south america and they have done blow in their lifetime lots of it and then they're like you know i just don't want to I just don't want to do it, man. Dude, I know, I know the, I know, I know the pain and sadness that brings me after that the crash comes the next day or two days sure. later. I don't need that sure. anymore, bro. It, but drunk James, these, drunk James, drunk James was always like. Drunk. I also remembered the first bump was just like, oh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't see it like that anymore. I was never that guy. Good. Was I was never that guy that 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 just depended woke up and had to have it and go to bed yep. having. You know, it was just that wasn't me. So. Oh, I was never that guy either, but I was the guy that like, whenever I got drunk, there was a tipping point. And if I w- knew that it was around somewhere like no. you know, where I could get in I've 10 been, minutes, listen, it's no, know. it's no secret. I've been sitting around here. I, I, I don't, I go to the bars. Uh, I've been to the bars here. I'm not out late at all anymore, which is uh, people are shocked by the new Bonzi here. I might have, to, I have to say, but, um, yeah, me having drinks doesn't want immediately want me to do cocaine. I just want to smoke more weed. Well, that's good. That's good because I think alcohol is the real gateway drug. I had never, ever in my long years of drug enthusiasm, I had never done blow without being drunk. Not once in my life, ever. 
Yeah. Like maybe I did a bump once randomly when I walked into a house and hey, you want a bump? Like, or something like that. But otherwise, no, it was always, Loose always was alcohol. Involved. That's why quitting drinking for me was everything. Because it was like, you get rid of that first domino, the rest of the dominoes just stand there, <laughs> not get knocked yeah. over. You know, I don't have to go do a bunch of blow. And I don't have to like obsess, you know, with like sexual stuff or whatever the fuck I was dealing with at the time. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like everything stemmed from alcohol. And by the way, I, 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 I don't, I think that Lachlan is probably the only one on the show, including, including Ryan um, and, uh, and Dean. Like, I think you and I are, are, and Dean are similar in our alcohol consumption in the way that we like, you know, it, it, it controlled, like, I don't know what the percentage would be, but a great deal of my personality was tied into what I was like when I was drunk because I drank every night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Me too. Me too. So it becomes like this imposter. It's really not you. It's like the bad you. It's in the drunk matrix or something. Like It's so know? true. And coming down here this time and seeing some of the same people that are still in the same, that, that drunk world, I realized really quickly that I don't fucking want to be that dude anymore. Yeah. Um, and not Plus, they, all the women have guns now, right? They have guns, <laughs> and you're like, you were hot. Oh, no, that's not. There is some smoke shows here, dude. I can't even believe how many hot women are in town right now. It's absolutely magnificent, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah. there's just some old, and I'm not dissing them or anything. It's just their life. Um, you know, some are retired, some aren't, and it's just the life they choose to live. But I got too much to live for still, bro. And I coming down here and thought and think in the thought process that I could do this for three months and stay out of the bars and the social life. No, I'm a social butterfly, dude. And the only place to go and socialize here is sitting on the beach with some beers or sitting in a bar with some beers, watching the sunset and stuff. And um, listen, it's fine to go out and do it for a couple. Uh, but once I can get going, I can get going. Uh, but I've, I've, I've pulled the reins back here. And I have not, uh, I have not been out later than 10, 30, 11 o'clock here, not once. And I'm pretty proud of that. But that being yeah. said, it's still not the right place to be in my uh, yeah. mind frame. Like literally a block away is like lots of cocaine. Six, like I could never bars, be there. I, I don't know if cocaine. I've stressed that enough yet, Bunz, we, but I could never be there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really I was. Good. So we, you were going to come uh, when I was uh, yeah, first coming here for um, three, four months. You know, if um, you were there for another three months, I probably would come. And then it would, I would literally probably do like a live cam of James trying not to deteriorate under the weight of temptation. <laughs> like, I, was, I was terrified for you to come here because I'm like, I don't want James to OD uh, because he's having such a great time on all the uh, amazing cocaine that's around here. Um, it's, I don't know if it's your scene, it's your scene, I, but I'm afraid that it's too much of your scene. And, and maybe yeah, it's well, not it's right not even like, because, because then, because like literally if you add the, the, like, uh, you know, Okay, you get drunk and then you do blow and then you just want to fuck. And then you're surrounded by women with the greatest bums of all time. And you're like, okay. There's a lot of things that work. And uh, it, 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 the, those three things right there would, it would just, it's, it's not a good thing for you. So maybe you shouldn't come here and visit. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's or part maybe of the reason. Maybe I don't have enough confidence. Maybe I, maybe I could handle it. I don't know. Like, like it's easy to joke about the drug stuff. In fact, it's the low hanging fruit of yeah. what what people joke about with me usually. Like, and that's fine. I have no issue with that at all. But maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm fine now because, like, it's not like I, I'm not tempted to drink. But then you get the Latin women in the fucking bars, and the, I don't know, you know, like it just you'd be tempted, bro. Yeah, I'm too tempted here, and uh, and and 
Listen, I, I am adult enough now to figure it out. And I, I'm, I finally can say I'm in a, a better place. And, uh, and I've had people say this to me here. Numerous people say you are 100% different than when you were here before. And they mean that in a good way. I'm still Bonzi. Mm -hmm. I'm still that traveling fun guy that people really came to respect. But I'm more of a soberish fun Bonzi here now than the guy that was here before owning a bar drinking day and yeah. night, managing a bar, drinking day and night, doing cocaine from time to time and being that loud, boisterous, kind of annoying dude. Whereas now I'm just kind of chill, laid back, Bonzi. And I, I really I'm the like worst. this. Back. I'm the worst when I'm drunk. Like, the, like, like the, I'm just like, what the fuck? Da, da, da. Like, I'm just like completely yeah. arrogant and bombastic. I don't know the volume of my own voice. Um, Ditto. But. One day we're going to do shrooms and we're going to record a podcast where we have the most crazy intellectual conversations about all of our pain and how we processed it. In life. <laughs> I look kidding. forward to that, James. Yeah, actually, uh, I'm not we kidding. were supposed to do, do that. that when I was home, but we are definitely when I'm back, uh, whenever that is, we'll yeah, set a weekend whatever. aside and we'll do some shrooms and we'll uh, do a podcast and it'll be pretty awesome. Let's do it in like June or something so we, we can go outside and walk around and stuff like that. Sure. Sounds good. All right, buddy. You have an open invite. Um, do you, I've never called you Greg, so I'm never going to call you Greg. Bonzi. You can call me whatever you want. <laughs> okay. It is my name. <laughs> yeah, Just you kidding. can call me that too. Some, <laughs> some people have and will continue to do so. Okay, good. Well, listen, dude, thanks for doing this. I'm, I'm going to cycle through um, a couple of other dudes from the network to, to talk to you because I kind of feel like sometimes that we don't really get to do much more than scratch the surface based on the, the vehicle that we usually find ourselves communicating in. And um, I don't know. I, I enjoy I, this is my favorite conversation by far I've ever had with you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you asking me to do this. Um, it, it was therapeutical. I missed out yesterday uh, for my first day. And, and it, I, this kind of felt like therapy in a way uh, because I know these heavy conversations are going to come up. And um, yeah. all, well, I'm all rooting of these for you, dude. As I'm rooting much for as you. It came really up am. minorly with you. And we kind of got into them a bit. During therapy, dude, this is we're gonna go so much more deeper, and it's gonna be harder. Uh, but I'm finally prepared to put in the work. Uh, I'm well, finally there. Good, good man. I'm I'm proud of you. I think uh, keep going. Don't worry about streaks. The AA crowd always like worry about streaks and stuff. I, I think that you know try not try not to do whatever you whenever you decide to do things or not do things, just keep it to yourself so that. People can't go, I thought you said you were going to quit drinking three months ago because you're holding a beer. They're like, you don't have to yeah. deal with that bullshit. Really, it's yeah. yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. Okay, listen. Thanks, Bonzi. man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'll see you next time. Are you on today on Dean? I, I haven't heard yet, but I've been off the phone for a bit. So I, he's, I'm always kind of uh, an hour or two to go before I find out, but I, I probably not. Maybe tomorrow. If not, okay. we'll see you next week. Try to have sex on camera in your apartment before you go, okay? <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Okay, good job. Thanks, Rob. That's Greg Bond, buddy. Um, that's Bonzi. I'm never going to call him Greg Bond. Um, Bonzi's become one of my good friends, and I've never met him because we live in the future, and the future is now. Thank you for joining me. This is Blackballed. I'm James DeFiore. Uh, next week on Tuesday, I might have a show Monday. I'm not sure. I'm trying to work something out. But on Tuesday, I have Yuck Yuck's founder, Mark Breslin. And we're going to do a tribute show to Bob Saget, Louis Anderson, and Norm MacDonald. And we're going to have uh, Mike Bullard and a bunch of other comedians and uh, club owners popping in and out, just sharing stories of, uh, of their, their fallen comedians. So that should be fun. And uh, I'll see you today at 3 on the Dean Blundell Show. Thanks, everybody. Cheers.
It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Allie Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.